Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions, and music with Orb as the host. Oddly Funny Productions. We might be odd, but we bring the funny to you. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to the Tom Myers versus the rest of the world Comedy 2021 International Joke Day special presented by Rampantly Comedy. International Joke Day is July 1st, and obviously you're listening to this after that date. But if your idea of jokes is stealing dog memes shared by your racist aunt, then fuck it and treat this like a normal episode. <laughs> I am. <laughs> The Biden administration will likely fall short of meeting its goal of getting 70% of those eligible for the COVID vaccine fully vaccinated. I say to solve that problem, send free fireworks to rednecks, decrease the population, the percentage of those vaccinated goes way up. Simple solution. Cole Beasley, a player for the Buffalo Bills, says he'd rather retire than get a COVID vaccine. I've seen the Buffalo Bills play, and I was under the impression that the entire organization retired when OJ Simpson left. (laughs) (laughs) reportedly donald trump wanted to send americans to guantanamo bay to help them recover from covid19 in the early days of the pandemic presumably he wanted to do that because he was planning the insurrection then and he didn't want any room left to send his supporters there (laughs) former defense secretary donald rumsfeld has passed away look for him to have a rematch with osama bin laden in hell (laughs) with the competition taking the form of a roast battle Osama bin Laden always chanted death to America. Hey, bin Laden, how does it feel knowing your jihad is less powerful than my natural causes? (laughs) 
Bill Cosby was released from prison following his conviction being overturned by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court. Opportunities to perform for him might not be there anymore, but Anthony Cumia might let him have a show on compound media, provided Anthony Cumia can overlook Bill Cosby being black. <laughs> he got fired from Sirius XM for tweeting racist stuff and it's International Joke Day. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> A court in Baltimore, Maryland, my hometown, ruled that aerial surveillance is unconstitutional. There go my plans to shoot my next round of local stand-up gigs using a camera attached to a drone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only unconstitutional, but dangerous. Think of the damage being done to the drone when a West Baltimore gangbanger busts multiple caps into the thing. <laughs> and now on with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Michelle Wojcikowski. Yay! Hey, Tom. Jeff, Abby, Michelle, happy International Joke Day. Woo. And same to you. <laughs> How has your week been? How was your International Joke Day, especially? Well, I, I started crying today, so it hasn't been going great. I cried today because I saw a commercial for Charles Booker, who is running against one of the worst people in the country, uh, Ram Paul, for U.S. Senate in Kentucky. And his commercial was so emotional that I started weeping at the end. So that's that was my uh, part of my joke day, Tom. Just the outright wow. weeping that, or the, the outright joke that someone thinks Rand Paul can be defeated in a state like Kentucky. Yeah, that, that, sadly, yes. It was a beautiful spot. I hope that's not the apex of uh, Charles Booker's campaign, though. <laughs> Abby, Michelle, how about yourselves? Well, my joke day. Uh, has been much like Jeff's. I was crying my eyes out, but mine was because I remembered that I agreed to be on your show. So, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it could explain why I have trouble booking people that aren't that aren't cisgendered straight white men who try and like, insert uh, coded messages of racism into their podcasts that only their incel fans will get. <laughs> Okay, Abby, how about yourself? <laughs> hey, Tom, um, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. You're getting me at a good time of day. 1.30 in the afternoon is my real prime pre-nap spot. Good timing. Glad to be here. That by the youngest one here, which I'm glad to hear. <laughs> oh, I nap. I nap all the time. It's one of the biggest, I'm not looking forward to having to like go back to work. Um, because uh, naps have become a real regular part of my day. I'm enjoying it. People ask me, why do you work from home? What's so great about working from home? Well, over the last year and a half, y'all found out. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm simultaneously making bread, doing laundry, gonna nap later. It's all great. How was your day, Tom? Oh, I have been, uh, I am immersing myself in, uh, in comedy because it is International Joke Day. And so uh, rampantly comedy that's the excellent comedy platform they have graciously lent us use of one of their breakout rooms we're not in our usual uh, zoom room so I'm, I'm happy to be taking part in those festivities uh, I have taken part so far in um, a speed round I got to do three separate two-minute sets in addition to doing a five-minute set in another hour and hosting a two-hour block so this podcast honestly is just a bump in the road to doing more comedy for International Joke Day. Sponsored by Rampantly Comedy. 
<laughs> I'm hoping we get residuals from this shit, but if not, <laughs> <laughs> joining us tonight, Walter Gottlieb. Hey, thank you, Tom. This is great. Yeah, you reminded me, Tom, when you talked about the Buffalo Bills, you know, all of my relatives or ancestors or whatever came from came from Buffalo. And even they're like, wait, we have a team? So <laughs> I don't think I don't even think most people in Buffalo remember that there's been a team since OJ left. And you're talking about the vaccine, you know, still a hot topic. I actually saw, I think on CNN, a guy in a red state with a sign that says, Jesus is my vaccine. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Moses is my general practitioner. And he's like, get the goddamn vaccine. Especially uh, a tetanus vaccine, if he's ever going to nail himself up to protest anything. Uh, <laughs> you just, you see the line, Tom, and you just run right over it. Oh, and can I please say, as being one of the, Jews on the show that we, our people did not want to kill Jesus. We just wanted to feed him. You know, he, like, look at that Jesus. He's so skinny. Would it kill him to eat something? You know. you know, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not Jesus was a white guy because he lived in the Middle East. And as a pale person, like I think he was because why else would he have died after being out in the sun for only three hours? <laughs> Some people are, I, I, I could be crucified for saying this, but of course, some people would say there was no real Jesus at all, you know. <laughs> so. And we've hit the philosophical part of the podcast. <laughs> and next, Nietzsche and his theory of eternal <laughs> recurrence. And next, probably the reason why this could be the very last recording. <laughs> <laughs> A court in New York suspended Rudy Giuliani's law license because of his phony election fraud claims. This goes in tandem with the suspension of Rudy Giuliani's mental stability, which occurred in 1997. <laughs> Here we see the former New York City mayor and former Trump legal advisor responding to his likely disbarment. How can they say I lied if they haven't had a hearing? I've been a lawyer for 50 years. I've never had a complaint. Somebody's got to fix this uh double standard justice system, which is not America anymore. I, I mean, I might as well be in Iran or East Germany, but they think I'm going to violate the law after having almost been killed by the mafia, the FARC, the Islamic terrorists. They're out of their minds. What do you do now, having lost your license? I fight back. That's what I do. Yes, what they did should be a problem for them. They should be being investigated. That's not American. That's what they do in dictatorships. And that's also another reason to be mad at the mob, failing to kill Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I was like, there's so much to unpack in there. First off, East Germany doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, Iran, if you violate one of their laws there, like their equivalent of a slap on the wrist is execution, which, you know, he shouldn't bring up Iran because that makes me think, oh, hey, that's an idea. <laughs> you know, feel free. Feel free, Rudy. Go ahead. You know, uh, Giuliani's law license may have been revoked, which is great, but did you know he still has his privileges of sleeping in his coffin in Romania? That hasn't been <laughs> revoked yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my way back there. I'm safe from East German and Islamic terrorists. Oh, I don't want to book my show for East Germany again. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you mad or at, at Giuliani for the you know being a Trump supplicant or for putting a Toys R Us in Times Square? I don't know. It's a tough call. 
<laughs> and bringing whole new meaning to the term toys for the first time in Times Square. Oh, nice one. <laughs> As is the case with disgraced famous people, family members are quick to come out and defend them. Here, Rudy's son, Andrew, gives an impassioned, if not awkward, video response. Hi, my fellow Americans. Today, it's my fellow Americans, not just my fellow New Yorkers. As you may have heard recently, a uh, few, few minutes ago, my father's law license was suspended by the New York State First Appellate Division of the Supreme Court. Now, the five judges that ruled on it, Judge Rolando Acosta, Judge Diane Renwick, Judge Sally Manzart Davis, Daniels, sorry, Judge Judith Gishi and Judge Barbara Kaepernick. All five of them are Democrats, three of which were appointed by Andrew Cuomo. Five to nothing, ultimately. Democrats with zero Republicans on there. Again, this is just unbelievable to see just how politicized all of this has become. I am infuriated by all of this. And any American that believes in an independent justice system, this is going after one of President Trump's closest allies. That's exactly what this is. And any American that doesn't believe that, they are just biased. That is, uh, this is unacceptable. And I stand by my father. He did everything ultimately by the book. And the fact that there would be this politicization in our Justice Department is disgusting. It is a cancer that needs to be cut out and it needs to be cut out right now. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. I'll have more statements later in the day. Oh, good. It was nice to see his son uh, vehemently defend him. The son who is running for governor of the state of New York as a Republican, of course, and the, the son who was being paid about $90,000 by the previous administration as some sort of uh, director of sports uh, liaison, some made up nonsense like that. Now, I know this is an, an audio podcast, but I mean, anybody can go ahead and look up that video. I, does anybody see just how bizarre that, uh, that clip was just from a positioning standpoint? Like if you're filming yourself, like you at least wanna go ahead and just, you know, just like with a zoom camera, you just want to go ahead and test the angle, maybe go ahead and just see, maybe you get your whole, like you at least your torso in there or something. It's, not, I, it's not only that, but uh, it, for those of you who can't see or don't know what uh, this fellow looks like, he looks like Donald Trump and Hellboy had an ugly baby. Like, <laughs> this is just not an attractive man. I'm sorry, Jeff. But I I agree. I think uh, he, he seems... He, he admires his father to the extent that I firmly believe that Andrew Giuliani would also lie down to adjust his pants in a room with a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I was equally bothered. I listened to almost nothing because as a person who, I, I like to dapple in photography, I was utterly bothered by the exactly what you were talking about. I'm like, is he in an Ikea showroom <laughs> parking lot? Like, what is... <laughs> You just need to zoom in, like back yourself up to where the little nice rock wall is and you have trees behind you. Unbelievable, terrible fin like cinematography in that. Um, I don't know if that's what, what you call that, but it's terrible and I couldn't listen to anything that he had to say. If you're looking for a pleasing aesthetic, just, you don't want macadam. If I'm doing a, making a statement to crying uh, judges, I would have practiced their names ahead of time. I know, seriously, right? Well, Jeff, that's because you used to be a real lawyer. 
<laughs> you know, this proves that the Trump children have nothing on this idiot. Like, what is it with the, the second generation of these families? They're, they're less clever, but just as, like, uh, lying and obtuse as their parents. You know, it's like Ivanka and Jared and Don Jr. and Eric move over, you know. <laughs> Well, this was interesting, and it could explain why he angled the camera the way he did. But when he was first sworn in as mayor of New York, Rudy was up there and his son, Andrew, was right next to him, mouthing the oath that you take to become the mayor of New York with his dad. So I have a theory that maybe he gets so excited about the fact that he's talking about his father that he ends up getting an erection. And then, therefore, that explains the position of the camera, why it's just chest up. And there it is. How, who had the bet of uh, like 10 minutes into the podcast that Tom would use the word erection? <laughs> <laughs> you guys you guys have done the podcast more than me, so I would have laid 50-50 odds. I don't know. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani's mental state has long been in question by those who knew him the best. New Yorkers, as Keith Olbermann attests in this YouTube video. If there is one sort of sidebar non-Trump question I am asked more than any other about the Trump crime family, it's this. What happened to Rudy Giuliani? My short answer is, actually nothing. He's been like this for 25 years. In 1995 or 96, I was asked by the deputy mayor of New York, Fran Ryder, and the staff of the Baseball Hall of Fame to travel from ESPN in Connecticut, literally to the steps of City Hall in New York, to MC an event for what must have been 35 members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. The deputy mayor greeted me, approached me. The mayor was a few steps behind her, and as she began to introduce the two of us, she realized he had begun to wander off. Rudy, Rudy, she bellowed, <laughs> wandered back. This is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's gonna be the MC. You'll have to introduce him after you speak. The mayor seemed to be a har having a hard time focusing on me. He extended a hand, missed mine, and then recalibrated. And as we shook hands, he grunted. The deputy mayor now roared at him. Rudy, you have to introduce him. His name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's the MC. He turned and looked at her blankly and grunted again. Deputy Mayor Ryder now screamed at Giuliani. Repeat it to me. He looked at me and looked back at her and said, his name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's the MC. With annoyance, Ryder said, thank you. And Giuliani smiled and wandered off again. The mayor sat next to me, and Giuliani then leaned in and whispered, your name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. You're the MC. I introduce you. I said something encouraging, and Giuliani smiled broadly like a child who was about to get some candy. So let me now turn it over to a good friend of mine and a great baseball man, and he looked at me and forgot everything. And finally, he looked the other way behind him where the deputy mayor was sitting with her head in her hands. Rudy Giuliani said loudly like this, what's his name? Who is he? And as the crowd, including some of my own friends, laughed, and some of the Hall of Fame <laughs> behind me gave me pats of consolation on my shoulder, Fran Ryder now screamed, Keith Alderman from ESPN, the MC, you repeated it to me. <laughs>
Giuliani turned back to the crowd as if there would have been no way that they could have heard or seen any of that. And he said, let me turn it over to a good friend of mine and a great baseball man, Keith Obelman, our NC from ESPM. <laughs> but now I got up and told the crowd, sorry, I'm late. I wasn't sure he meant me. <laughs> what you are saying to yourself, what on earth happened to Rudy Giuliani with that brown schwitz pouring down his face? I am saying to you, he has been this crazy for 25 years. You were just lucky enough to not have noticed. See, I don't know what's scarier, the fact that Rudy Giuliani was like that in the mid-90s or the fact that I wrote that joke in my opening monologue before I watched that video. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, can I, can I just say that I, I'm going to admit, I haven't seen Keith Olbermann since he was on MSNBC, and he's a lot older, and he, now he actually looks like Anderson Cooper's straight uncle. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> He's kind of he's kind of changed. He used to he used to smoke a pipe. I think on the air maybe, but I don't know what he's smoking now. No, that was Charles Nelson Riley on the Match Game. <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley. No, that's Paul Lind. I'm doing. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, have, that was, that was well, revelatory. Giuliani has this great reputation as being America's mayor because he was lucky enough to be the mayor of New York. And I say this seriously, when 9-11 happened and he was able to put on a suit and show up at funerals and people thought he was dignified. Yep. He didn't do a damn thing. All he did was wear a suit and show up. Well, he was also, he was also like semi-articulate compared to George W. Bush. So he looked better by comparison to right. Bush in those early days right. when yeah. And pri prior to that, he was the Manhattan DA, and he got the credit as the head of the office for the work his staff did in, uh, in working on organized crime matters. So people thought, oh, he's this great crime buster. He's always been nothing, as Keith said. I think that whole story was a, a story about Rudy just doing a bit. Like, that's how I act when I have to host an open mic. I'm like, who are you again? I'm going to wander away. Like, that's okay. what I do. That's, that's exactly my hosting style when I'm running an open mic. So I think that was just Rudy's way of being like, I don't care who you are, not even enough to remember your name for 15 seconds. Abby, you're not the mayor of one of the largest cities in the country, to be fair. <laughs> that is true. But are you running too? an open you mic, Tom, you might as well be the mayor of that bar. <laughs> oh, and... Abby was never impeached. She's not yet. <laughs> You're unimpeachable. <laughs> my coast. Yeah, I mean, Ju I have to agree with Jeff. Like Giuliani was always a proto-fascist. He did have that one moment where he looked good in the media, uh, you know, just after 9-11. But it, 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 it shouldn't come as a surprise that he's, you know, off the rails far right now. That wasn't a joke, just an observation. <laughs> it's not just Rudy Giuliani, but all Trump sympathizers who like to exist in an alternate reality where things that happen in the minds of, you know, people who aren't fucking idiots can be spun into a completely different set of what they perceive are facts. For example, we now know that when conservatives say blue lives matter, we know they're referring to the shade of blue that occurs when a cop is beaten with a flagpole. Oh, 
Here, CNN's Jim Acosta catches up with two Trump-supporting members of Congress, Mo Brooks and Marjorie Taylor Greene. So you take the bike to work, huh? Sometimes. The man with the bicycle is Alabama Republican Congressman Mo Brooks. Congressman, oh, is there God. any way we can get you to talk about January 6th? I do not do interviews with CNN because I do not trust CNN to be honorable or truthful. Yes, the same man who said this on January 6th. Today is the day American patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. Since then, he's peddled the bogus conspiracy theory that Antifa was behind the insurrection at the Capitol. Well, can I ask you, do you still believe I've Antifa already, was behind I've January 6th? i what I'm going to say. I don't trust y'all to be truthful or honest. Well, can you tell us if you regret what you said on January 6th? I do 6th? not trust CNN to be truthful or honest, so I do not. Well, I'm just asking you CNN. questions. I'm asking you fair questions here, sir. Why can't you answer the question? I do not trust y'all to be truthful or honest with anything it's CNN on, does. It's on video. If you can just See talk ya. to us for a moment. Then he rode off. Lie through your teeth any chance you get. Well, give you the chance to come on if you don't mind. Congresswoman. We also caught up with GOP Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who did stop oh. to talk to us. For weeks, she's been spreading the false flag theory that the FBI was somehow involved in the riots. Despite all of that body cam footage showing Trump supporters and right-wing extremists storming the Capitol, not to mention hundreds of arrests of Trump rioters. But when we pressed her for evidence to back up her claims, she didn't offer any. You've seen the video that's come out so far. What do you think of that video? It seems to show a lot of Trump supporters involved well, in the rioting. I, I didn't see any Antifa or well, FBI. You know, here's how I see it. Yeah. The, the American taxpayers pay for everything here, right? They pay for the building. They pay for the cameras. They pay for the staff. They pay my salary. They pay for everything. And this is the type of video that they deserve to see publicly. So. But I, I'm asking you about it. the video itself. Don't, when you look at the video, don't you mainly see Trump supporters well, involved oh, in the rioting? Um, there's all kinds of people involved in the rioting. There's people in black clothes. There's people in red hats. There's people in Trump clothes. There are clothes. Oath keepers. There are uh, people from the Proud Boys. That's what we've read and seen, yes. And then but they've been members. arrested. They've been arrested. They've been brought to right. court. They're, they're being held, some of them, in solitary confinement almost 24 hours a day in the jails here. Are we really surprised that Marjorie Taylor Greene's go-to response was distinguishing between colors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she can do that now? No, did you, she was like, there's all kinds of different people there. People with black shirts, mm. people with red hats. That's not typical ways that we describe. She's asking about political affiliations and she's like, you know, we got the black shirts and the red hats, all kinds of different. I, I think diversity. the thing is they're finally letting her watch Sesame Street again. <laughs> she's forgotten the brown shirts, you guys. That's the most important. <laughs> no, I mean, by her logic, like if taxpayers pay for everything so they can trash the Capitol, by that logic, like I should be able to take an F-16 fighter out for a spin if I want, or, you know, Oh, hey, can we do that? I want to do that. Right. Got to <laughs> the logic. It's you have not... to be a small town police department to ride in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not a surprise to me that uh, Mo Brooks and, and MTG are idiots. Uh, we knew that. But what surprised me from the video that the folks at home don't see is that Mo Brooks put on a bicycle helmet because right. he seems like the type who has fallen off his bicycle and hit his head lots of times. <laughs>
I mean, that that surprised me too. This right-wing moron is riding a bicycle. That's kind of a green thing, isn't it? It's That's like, right. Now he's got to- He can't understand the parking signs in Washington. <laughs> he's got too many tickets. He's sick of fighting them. He refuses to obey traffic laws. It's really hard to be a badass when you're riding uh, when you're riding away on a bicycle. I, I, I understand, okay, but although in his defense, as someone who's done a lot of shows in DC, I can tell you that the uh, closest place to find parking near the Capitol is Annandale, Virginia. So. Right. <laughs> Unless you want that boot on your car. And on that note, that's our show. I'd like to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Michelle Wojcikowski, and Walter Gottlieb. Thank you. Thank you for having me. But before we go, my final thought. When I was in school, there were two classmates who just coasted their way through their educational years. Sure, they excelled at sports, but they really didn't focus so much on their schoolwork. Thankfully, it didn't affect their employment prospects in adulthood as they died right before graduation, when one of the kids they bullied shot up our school. My 20th high school reunion is this year. There was a brief concern that it may have to be canceled, not because of COVID, but because there are so many racists and Trump supporters in my graduating class that there would be an FBI raid upon the festivities. <laughs> it got me thinking about my high school days. It made me ask, why in God's name would I ever want to see these fuckers again? I only kept my social circle to a few select people, and I'm not worried about what the rest of them will think of me saying this stuff, as they will surely have turned off my podcast just a few minutes in to episode one. As there's a strong chance some of them will have been radicalized enough by social media to have some participation in the events related to the insurrection, I registered myself as a confidential informant with the FBI shortly before joining my class reunion's Facebook page. I'm not doing it to narc on my former classmates. I'm doing this for my own personal benefit and, subsequently, the better of all mankind. I'll turn them in and collect the Fed's reward money for each successful conviction making it so that I can live comfortably in my compound in a penthouse high above the hustle and bustle of people living their lives while I relax in luxury, knowing that I will never, ever have to do this bullshit again. Oh, well, <laughs> one can dream. Happy International Joke Day, everybody. Good night. <laughs> This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Michelle Wojcikowski, and guest Walter Gottlieb. Theme music by Euron Vandenhurek. Producers for Rampantly Comedy, Richard Chasler, David Parsons, and Aaron Ring. Executive producer, Tom Myers. Executive producer for Rampantly Comedy, Jolie Rx. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hi, this is Jeff from Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. If you enjoy hearing me talk with Tom about politics and you're a fan of the New York Mets, then join me and Greg Prince in National League Town. Available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. 
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. <laughs> Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, funny productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.